following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is a beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. Sun is shining, not a cloud, maybe a two in the sky, but man, it's beautiful outside today, huh? It feels like spring in January. I'll take it any day of the week. Hope you're all doing well on this Thursday afternoon. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Carter, happy Thursday. Hey, man. Happy <laughs> Thursday. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Normally, you you give me something something else other than happy Thursday. You give me like, a, how are you today? I'm okay. great. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm doing fantastic. It is, uh, it's a busy time at the station and around the stations. Uh, it is the heart of basketball season for college basketball. It's the heart of of basketball season for high school basketball as well. Um, I think that it's one of the best times of the year. I love basketball just so much. And it's a busy time with college and high school. Uh, We have Lee Scott basketball tonight. Well, I do anyway. You will be hanging out here uh, on ESPN all day. But uh, I have Lee Scott basketball tonight. And then uh, I have Lee Scott tomorrow as well. I get to hang out with our good buddy Jack Hutton. Oh boy. Yes. So if you have not picked up on what is going on, the craziness around here, um, obviously we've been doing our show every day. And then the drive, Bill Cameron and Dan Peck, they are both out this week. And so it has been a group effort to make sure that show still gets on the air, right? It's been great so far and it's gone just fine. You and I did it yesterday. Uh, It will be you and Jumping Jack Hudden tonight, or this afternoon, I should say, from 4 to 6. And then tomorrow, it'll be you and Brian Matthews uh, will we'll be doing the drive tomorrow. So that's sort of how the drive is going. But our show's staying the same. And uh, here's kind of what's on the planner for today. We're going to break down Auburn's performance last night on the road at LSU. Dang right. Yeah. Dang right. We're going to break it down. Don't you worry. We will talk about it. Uh, we will uh, break it all down here coming up in just a few minutes. We'll talk some college football news out of the transfer portal. Uh, there was a big commitment today, not for Auburn, but for another SEC West school. We'll get into that in just a little bit. Then in hour number two, it's Thursday, so we'll talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, and get his thoughts about everything going on around the SEC football basketball all of that so that's what's on tap today phone lines are open we'd love to hear from you anything on your mind in the sports world give us a call we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 that is the number to put you through to us 334-321-1390 and Carter let's get into it brother Auburn goes on the road we talked yesterday during our show and during the drive about how important how big of a game this was for Auburn to go on the road in the SEC during the midweek and pick up wins 
and they did it yesterday. They go on the road 67-49. They beat LSU by 18 points. What'd you see? This is a game that Auburn can pull from down the line as the season goes on. You're still shorthanded. You're still without Chris Moore. I think we're going to be a lot closer to getting him back out on the court probably a week from uh, that game yesterday against uh, Texas A&M. That feels like it might have a chance. Still may not. I don't know. But the fact that you get the the production and the way that you did from the guys on the court, I was encouraged with. Uh, you're seeing some unlikely people step up in big spots and uh, Leor Berman is yep. probably the best example of that. He had he tied a career high in points last night. Yeah, he did. Season high for sure. Um, but he had eight points on three of four from the field. That was it's the level of confidence that he's showing with the fact that he's not afraid right now. Because generally when we've seen him out there, unless he is wide open, he is passing the ball. No doubt. Like, there have been a time or two where he's tried to catch and shoot and he's got a shot blocked or something. Like he would contested. never put the ball on the floor. Exactly. He's playing with a different level of confidence that you like to see because he's showing that he's not – he's showing a lot of effort on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. And maybe in the past he still showed that effort, but he was a bit of a liability on defense. He's not a noticeable liability on the defensive end, and he's giving you solid minutes on the offensive end, and he's doing it efficiently. Absolutely. So that's huge. Uh, but this game showed you everything you want to see out of an Auburn team because Auburn got out to a lead. LSU in the second half closes it to two, and all of a sudden you're sitting there thinking, oh, my God, Auburn's crumbling. And you know what they did? They absorbed LSU's biggest and best punch as LSU went on that run, and they said, you can't play with us. Yeah. And they ran it up and honestly could have won the game by a heck of a lot more than 18. Well, we've heard Bruce Pearl talk about all season long how important it is, and other college basketball coaches as well, about how important it is when you go on the road in conference play, how important it is to get off to a fast and good start on the road. Because we talked about this yesterday, I believe, with Jason Caldwell on the drive. We talked about how there are times where Auburn will go on the road and you'll look up and it's tied or you're down by six or eight and then you're fighting from behind the entire time. That was not the case here. Auburn jumped out. They did what they needed to do to start the basketball game and they take a 32 21 lead into the half. Could have been more, right? Could have been more. Um, mm-hmm. And Auburn, like you said, second half starts and LSU. They give you a run. They give you the best that they can do. I believe they cut it to within four. Is that right? Some, somewhere no, it, in there. It, it got to two. Was it two? It okay. got two, two. Yeah. It was in there. At one point in that second half where LSU – so LSU in the first half, they, they shoot horribly. They go seven of 27 from the field, two of 11 from three. They opened the second half, I think, six of eight or six of yeah, nine. Yeah, they started hot. In- and, and were hitting, like, threes. They were – they were hitting about every shot they had. Auburn started a little cold, uh, and you saw Auburn, all of a sudden it tightened up really quickly. But then Auburn settled down, mm-hmm. absorbed the run, and went on a run of their own. And didn't let LSU do it again, right? They scored, I, I saw some sort of stat, in the first, uh, I want to say it was like the first six or eight minutes of the second half, LSU scored 
in that run, they went and scored like 14 points, and then after that, they scored 14 for the rest of the game. All right, so so it was what 32-21 at half. At half, correct? yep. LSU goes on a eleven to two run and cuts it to thirty four thirty two in the first four minutes and ten seconds of the second quarter. They hit a bunch of shots in a row and including a three. And Auburn, all they got was a Janai Broom uh, like kind of jump shot in the paint. But then you see Auburn rebound with. You get uh, Alan Flanagan, Zepp Jasper, Janai, KD hits a three, uh, Wendell hits a three, and you Wendell makes another layup, and then you get Lior and one, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, two-point lead gets to 14 like that in the next four minutes. So here's the stat. That first four minutes, LSU scored 11 points. The rest of the second half, they scored 18 or 17 Mm-hmm. that's the stat that's it right there and that shows look LSU came out in the second half and they punched Auburn in the mouth and then Auburn said yeah we're done with this mm-hmm. we're better and they didn't let them do it again and they hunkered down on defense offense wasn't anything crazy last night I don't think but the defense is what won them this basketball game and uh we asked and we talked yesterday on both shows about what the magic number was for Auburn I said 76. I believe you said 73. Jason Caldwell said 65. Turns out the magic number was 50 last night because LSU scored 49 points on uh, just some poor shooting and great defense from Auburn. This was a win for Auburn last night that you can hang your hat on. You can be proud of this win. Again, did Auburn do anything crazy offensively? No, but we're going to get into that in just a second. But the defense the, won them this game on the, the road. The ability to answer that run out of half, or eleven, or it's eleven-two run by LSU, to answer it right back with a sixteen-five run immediately in response, shows me that this team feels comfortable dealing with adversity, dealing with the runs, especially on the road. We've now seen two road games in a row, where in the second half. Ole Miss, they were able to just keep them at arm's length the entire second half. This game, you had a team make a run at you, and you respond and just put them away in a way that we haven't seen this Auburn team do to a good team this year. Which happens on the road. Those types of runs happen on the road. And you have to be able to find a way to just respond, right? It's like, okay... We just got hit really hard. How are we going to respond? Are we going to let them continue to put us on the ropes and hit us again, hit us again, hit us again? Or are we going to spin off and we're going to be back in this fight and take back control? That's exactly what Auburn did last night. They beat LSU 67-49. to You look at the offensive numbers for Auburn. They put up 67 points. Nothing crazy, but we've learned at this point in the season – this is the type of game Auburn wants to play. They want to play yeah. a 67-49 game. If you t- if you start letting a team get in the 70s and 80s, Auburn's not going to be able to hang. And yeah. if their defense lets up that many points, the offense will not be able to make up for it. That's what's going to be so important in games against Alabama that can score 100 points if they want to. That's why the defense will be so important. But that's what Auburn does best is on defense. But you look at the offensive numbers last night. How about this? The second straight game where Janai Broom was a very limited factor, the offensive yeah, end of the floor. How about that? Janai Broom gives you four points on the road, and you get an 18-point road win. Mm-hmm. That's a credit to the Auburn defense and a couple other guys giving you a little bit more than you've seen out of them. You got, I mean – 
you had efficient. <laughs> I'm not going to count Dylan Cardwell's uh, one missed shot on the end of a shot clock step back three <laughs> that he attempted. That was. Uh, I I will penalize him for the two missed free throws. He needs to to do better at that. But what what I'm excited about. Last time out, your two your two centers got six boards. Mm-hmm. This time out, Janai gets six, which is still you would want more uh, out of him. He only played twenty three minutes in the game, also, which is worth noting. But Dylan Cardwell, who last time out got two rebounds, he gets seven. He plays one of his better games that we've seen this season. the The points are not there. The points are not there, but it's the rebounding, the impact on defense, the effort. If he's rounding into form, that'll be very encouraging to have a little bit more depth at the five. Uh, I mean, heck, hey. You know who hit maybe the most impressive shot of the night, though? Yoan Treor. Oh, yes, the three. The little, no, no, it was the little step back. Oh, yeah, the little the step, step back. back yeah, elbow. yeah, yeah. It, it was away elbow. After the, the nastiness of his dribbling, it was like, oh, God, what's going on? And then he just pulled up and buried it. He did. The, the dribbling and ball handling was I, not pretty. I just hope that, that that, honestly, I don't even think it, like he was as out of control as we thought in that moment. Um, it wasn't, it didn't he look He recovered pretty. well. Well, I think, I think because we have this stigma around his play right now that anytime we see him put the ball on the deck we just assume something horrible is going to go wrong and so we were expecting that I hope that that is the kind of shot that can generate a little bit of confidence because it was a nice it was a nice it was a good shot yeah Uh, like it was something that we haven't really seen out of him but I was encouraged by this team Wendell not the most efficient night uh didn't shoot well from three didn't get to the free throw line as much but you know what's important to me? Zero turnovers by him. Zero. Zero turnovers, four assists. I'll take that. I'll take a 14-point outing like that out of him every time. Jalen Williams, by the way, did you look at how his first half was rough? Yeah, it was. He was two of seven, was. one of three from three. But he went on a run in the second half that is – look. all right, so I'm going to read you. This is from eight minutes, two seconds left in the game to 544. This is all of the scoring by both teams. Jalen Williams layup. Jalen Williams free throw. Jalen Williams layup. Jalen Williams jumper. A KJ Williams jumper. And then a Jalen Williams jumper. He scores, what, seven, eight straight points for Auburn? Mm -hmm. And like all of a sudden he caught fire. And and we're seeing a guy who I think finally, and I've been begging for this since he was a freshman, I think he's finally starting to realize Hey, I'm kind of special. I'm kind of good at this game. He is good. I and might, I might be the go-to guy, or I might should be the go-to guy. I might be the best player on this Auburn team, and maybe I need to be a bit more aggressive. Maybe I need to be a bit more selfish with my touches because it's to the benefit of the team. I love Jalen Williams. I do. And I think he's very, very good. I think he's very talented. I think he's very athletic, and I'm with you. I think that he may start he maybe he's starting to realize just how good he actually is because it was it was hidden for a while right it was hidden on the bench for a while he gets 14 points last night seven rebounds two assists he does have two turnovers but he also has three blocks he had a solid game He's always had this ability he always has and I just don't think that having interacted with him in person he's about the shyest dude that you've ever seen that is a high one he's six foot nine 
But like he doesn't walk around like he's right. Six foot nine. But what he, I'm saying, he he's been hidden a little bit with all the talent well, yes. that's come through, right? But 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 I'm saying even yes, I, I agree with you there. I'm not I'm not arguing that point. But like I'm saying, he's always had this in him. And you go back to his freshman year where he didn't play a bunch early, then he started getting in an SEC play, um, and you would see these flashes of mm-hmm. like, what the heck was that? And I think back to. And it's like it's like he didn't even realize what he was doing was special. It just was like instinct. He just would do something, and then it would be like he wouldn't even process how special it was. And the play that I always come back to yep. when he's getting minutes against Tennessee at home, and he kind of drives to the elbow, picks up his dribble, everybody's covered, nowhere to go, and he just looks up and he's like, and it was so just like natural. Yeah, and it was such like a like there was no thought process to it. It just was doing what exactly came naturally to him. He tosses it up off the backboard, goes and gets it and dunks it. And it's like, that's not normal, dude. That doesn't <laughs> happen in basketball games. No, it's not supposed to happen. And look, Jalen Williams is a fantastic player, and he's probably the most consistent scorer on this team. I would have said Janai until these past two games. I agree. Which, which I will say. Janai didn't take a bunch of shots in this game. He only took five. That's part of the reason why his total mm-hmm. is low. I mean, he went two of five, which, I mean, you'd like for it to be a more efficient, but that's going to happen every now and then. I think Janai Broom needs to consistently be a double-double guy because I think he can be. He I has shown he, he I think can he be. he is that. I just think, I think, I'll straight up say, Tolu on Saturday ate his lunch. Yes. I didn't feel that way in this game. Like, it didn't feel like he was a detriment on the court. Yes, KJ Williams went off, but somebody had to do some of the scoring for for this LSU team and somebody had to take 15 shots on this team and that's how he got to that uh, 16 points and he hit a couple threes. Auburn beats LSU 67-49 on the road last night. We're breaking it all down. We'll continue talking about it when we come back. I want to talk more about Jalen Williams because I've made some statements before and I want to kind of get into that a little bit more. But hey, we'd love to hear from you and your thoughts on this Auburn basketball team as they improve to 5-1 and one in conference play. 334-321-1390. More of the Thursday edition of On the Line when we come back. the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Welcome back into the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. We're talking the Auburn basketball victory last night on the road at LSU, Auburn wins 67-49, to and uh, we were talking a little bit about Jalen Williams, and look, he goes 6-13 of 13 after the slow first half, picks it up in the second half. Carter talked about a nice stretch offensively that he had where he scored, I think, like eight straight for Auburn, right? Mm-hmm. He has 14 points, seven boards, three, three blocks. He does have the two turnovers, a couple of assists as well. He's tied for the leading scorer with Wendell Green. Here's what I've said in the past about Jalen Williams. He scored nine straight. Nine straight. Okay, there you go. Well, he has shown that he is the most, as of right now, he is the most consistent scorer on this Auburn basketball team, and he borderline is the go-to scorer on this Auburn basketball team. I don't think that should be the case, and here's what I've said in the past. I said if Jalen Williams is the go-to leading scorer on this Auburn basketball team, that is not a good thing. That's what I've said. 
And I still believe that. That is not a knock against Jayla Williams by any means. Because Jayla Williams is a very good player. He's very, very athletic. And I think he is better than what he thinks he is. But we've seen where Jayla Williams, he has a slow first half. And yes, he does come back in the second half, right? And he plays really well. But what happens when Jalen Williams has that one and nine performance that we've seen, right? We, I think we've really seen that just what once this year. Just, like it doesn't happen. It, like he's he's that consistent for this Auburn. I will disagree with you to an extent that I don't think it's a bad thing if he's your leading scorer. I think that right now, with what we're seeing out of Wendell Green. Um, He's probably going to be your leading scorer more times than not just because the ball's in his hands so much and he's playing so many more minutes and he's taking more shots. But I said this during the break. I think Jalen Williams is the best player on this team. I do. And I think Bruce expected that out of him this year. If you recall, when when Auburn gets bounced from the NCAA tournament by Miami, in the postgame press conference, Bruce sits there and says... He can't wait to build next year's team around Jalen yeah. Williams. Yeah, he did. He's straight up telling you right there, and that I've compared. I compared it during the break to, uh, and then this is something I guess I've thought about for a little while. I think this little run right here, where we've seen Jalen Williams all of a sudden start to heat up and play really good basketball, it's not the first time we've seen this with a Bruce Pearl player that has been good. But we've always felt has a higher ceiling, has more to give. And I think back to sophomore year when you had for Chuma Okiki, he was a good player his freshman year, mm-hmm. a good player the first two thirds of his sophomore season. And then somewhere around the midway point of conference play, it started to click. Of, hey, I'm the best player on the court every time we go out there. And you saw it grow, and it really, the turning point for me in Chuma's sophomore year was the buzzer beater three against Georgia. From that point on, dude became just a stone-cold killer and would go out and get his every game. And you saw it in the NCAA tournament where he's playing Kansas, uh, he's playing UNC, he's playing high-level players, and he is clearly the best player on the court. There may have been guys drafted higher than him off that UNC team. But on that court in that game, Chumo Kiki was the best player. The year later, Isaac Okoro, freshman year, just physical freak athletically. Really, really good defender. Don't think he realized how good he could be on the offensive end until around the same point. And you started to realize, he started to realize, hey, this team's better when I take my opportunities and I am a little bit more selfish with the basketball because athletically nobody can hang with me. I think, I'm not saying Jalen has the ceiling of those two, right? but I think he's starting to have that realization right now. I see where you're coming from. I really do. And look, Jalen Williams is a great player. He really is. And I, I, I like what he does, I'm just saying that uh, I don't have the confidence in this Auburn team and Jalen Williams to make a deep run in March if he is your go-to guy, your leading scorer, your need-a-bucket guy. I'm not saying he can't do it. I just 
I don't know. I just Auburn, don't feel like... Well, that's the thing, is Auburn doesn't have that true definitive, definitive superstar. I agree, and that's an issue. And that's what's different, and they actually talked about this last night during the broadcast, Jimmy Dykes did. He said that's the difference right now, is Auburn doesn't have that just five, you know, that big five-star power superstar. They do, but he hasn't been that yet, and they don't have that this year. And look, that's okay. This Auburn team is good. I just worry that when you get into February, when you're playing much, much better teams than you are right now. What happens when Jalen Williams can't do what he's doing and Janai Broom goes for four points and Wendell Green goes three of 18 from the field? This team's going to get blown out of the water if they don't well, figure out how multiple guys to step up My counterpoint to that is you look at this box score last night, while it may not have been the most efficient night for Wendell Green, but Wendell gives you 14, Jalen gives you 14, Alan Flanagan gives you an efficient eight. Yes. Six shots, eight points, two of three from three. Has confidence, by the way. Seven rebounds, one turnover. Well, probably his best game. And you look at, uh, you also have KD gives you eight. Mm-hmm. He was more efficient from three. He hit his threes. And then Leor Berman eight. If you get that kind of production up and down the roster, you're going to be able to absorb one guy going awful if everybody if you have three guys go awful in one night it's just gonna happen auburn wins on the road we'll talk more about it later on we've got some college football news coming up you are on the line with jacob goertz and carter bird on espn 1067 auburn opelika's sports leader 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, transitioning a little bit from basketball into football, uh, there's some big college football transfer portal news that dropped earlier today. Yep. It's not um, shocking, especially it's not shocking. The, the deadline to enroll in classes for Auburn had passed. Yes. Uh, but Spencer Sanders going to Ole Miss, yep. their second quarterback transfer commit in 48 hours yeah and look this was a guy that Auburn was going after obviously Spencer Sanders the Oklahoma State quarterback transfer Uh, it was a guy that Auburn had pursued for a little bit and it had sort of tailed off over the past few days and 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 maybe even a little bit more and then the word was out that Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss had started jumping on him and they were excited about Spencer Sanders and made a move and ultimately he committed to Ole Miss today and uh, he will go and join a very stacked Ole Miss quarterback room Uh, and the question now becomes what happens to Jackson Dart at Ole Miss right because the thought process will be that Spencer Sanders, when you go and get a guy like that out of the transfer portal, you plan on him being your starter. Now, there will be a quarterback battle. He'll have to earn it. But that's the thought is that a four-year starter at Oklahoma State is going to come in and probably win your starting job. Then the question becomes, what happens to the quarterbacks at Ole Miss? Same thing we've been asking about the quarterbacks at Georgia. And why we bring this up and ask this is because those are all potential targets for Auburn to go after in the spring. Yeah, I think uh, this is going to force Jackson Dart into the portal after the spring because uh, he's because because the, the portal window is closed as of today, so you cannot hit the portal anymore if you were not in it already. Um, isn't it fascinating that the the day the portal closed was the day that Spencer Sanders committed to Ole Miss? It's almost like. They told him to wait to basically force Jackson Dart to stay through the spring and be in this competition. Maybe. It's almost yeah. like 
That's just speculation. But uh, otherwise, I mean, Spencer Sanders has been in, in the portal for Degum. He's been in there for five a while. Weeks. Yeah, he's been in it for a while. Like, and multiple I mean, schools have reached out to him. Obviously, like he is a very the portal, highly the rated was quarterback open for forty-five days, and I'm pretty sure he was in there for like forty-three of those days. So, if not more. Um, so that's it's surprising that we see that come down now. Uh, I was curious. I did look at the Ole Miss academic calendar. They start so late. Their first day of classes is January 23rd. At Ole Miss? Yeah. What? That's what, oh that's what I'm gosh. looking at right now. Where do they go to school? Through May? That's horrible. Uh, final exams end May 12th. Well, they go, they go to class three weeks less than everybody else. That's Wow. That's crazy. It literally says Monday, January 23rd, classes begin. Wow. All right. Well, anyway, I mean, so, but the, that the gives them... The last day to add classes, to, to register and add classes, appears to be... What, like February 1st uh, or something? February 3rd. Jeez, man. How about that? That is really late. Like, for college in general, that is like really a, do late. Do they have, like, a mini-mester in January? Maybe. I don't know. Normally, normally that's just a summer thing, right? But... But that gives them advantages with the portal because they have classes that register later, they, and you can register have, later for those they classes. They have a winter intercession from, interestingly, okay, interesting. How about that? That ends January 14th. So uh, they, they had a little mini-mester in January. Got you. Okay. Well, I guess that makes a little bit more sense, but it's still not normal for most colleges to start that late. But again, that gives Ole Miss the advantage to – add guys later than most people did and they are able to register for classes later and we obviously have talked about how it closed for Auburn yesterday but again uh, Spencer Sanders the Oklahoma State quarterback transfer commits to Ole Miss today and uh, again Auburn went after him but it just kind of fell through you want to go blind resumes here and pick pick one of the two okay uh, I'm gonna give quarterbacks? You, I'm gonna give you the stat lines okay. for 2022 for both of these quarterbacks okay don't know which one I'm going to give you first. I'm going to give you uh, completions, incomplete, or, uh, completions, attempts, percentage, yards, touchdowns, interceptions, and rushing yards. Okay. All right. 212 of 368, 57.6% completion percentage, mm-hmm. 2,642 yards, uh, so a 7.2-yard average, 17 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, 107 rushing attempts, 391 yards, 8 touchdowns. The other, 226 of 362, 62.4% completion percentage, 2,974 yards, 8.2 yards per attempt, 20 touchdowns, 11 picks, 128 rushes, 614 yards, and one, tu- and one touchdown. Which was Jackson Dart and which was Spencer Sanders? I like the sound of the second one better, but I'm going to say that's probably Jackson Dart. That was Jackson Dart. Yeah. Statistically speaking, in a harder conference, Jackson Dart was better than Spencer Sanders in every way, except for he had two more interceptions. He had three more passing touchdowns, two more interceptions, and he had 200 more or 130 more rushing yards. Yeah. It's interesting. It is interesting. And you talked yesterday about how. Ole Miss has gone after multiple quarterbacks in the transfer portal, and they got Walker Howard, who's a, an extremely talented young young guy. Yeah. Who, by the way, fun fact, do you know? I I think I brought this up to you. 
You know who Walker Howard's dad is? Jamie Howard, LSU quarterback. Famously, really? the quarterback that threw five interceptions in the fourth quarter against Auburn in 94 in the interception game as Auburn came back to win that one. Huh. I did not. I haven't heard you bring that up, so I did not know that. That's interesting. But now Ole Miss has a very stacked quarterback room where they're not all going to stay. Same thing with Georgia. They are not all going to stay. And Hugh Freeze and this staff have already shown they're not afraid to go and get SEC talent from the SEC from the SEC West. They've already taken an LSU and an Ole Miss linebacker. They're not too worried about going and getting guys from the conference. So I think this is important to keep your eye out on it because somebody's going to enter the portal from Ole Miss. Somebody's going to enter the portal from Georgia. And I think Auburn will probably at least give them a phone call. By the way, here's the there's an American football fandom page for the 1994 Auburn-LSU game. Uh, so LSU led going into the fourth quarter 23-9. Jamie Howard threw five interceptions in the final final quarter, three returned for touchdown as Auburn was held to just 165 total yards, rallied to win the game 30-26. to 26. And it says, there's also an additional note here, that Jamie Howard received death threats after the loss. That is, I've, I mean, I've heard of it. I, it's legendary, right? And then I want to say he had seven interceptions on the game. At what point? I mean, did they just not have why, a... Why, why are you throwing? Right. Why are you throwing? Why are you throwing, and who in the world is behind him? I don't care if you put a wide receiver and run the Wildcat. Like, Why are you letting a quarterback throw five interceptions in one quarter? That's horrible. But uh, I did not know the family connection there with, with Howard at Ole Miss. I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Fun fact. Interesting. Well, again, the, the conversation that we've been having over the past week or two is – would Auburn go after a portal quarterback in this little window? And if they didn't, which they did not, are they going to go after one in the spring? Should they go after one in the spring? And we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. It seems like more of the fan base is on the side of, yes, let's go get a quarterback and have a true quarterback battle. But there's a very big chunk of the fan base that says, no, Robbie's our guy. Let's run with him. He'll win the battle and he's our guy. I see both sides, but I just think going after a quarterback is the smart move. I just think that's the way to go. Auburn's going to get a quarterback. Um, it'd be really interesting if uh, now Jackson Dart's on the table potentially at the end of the spring. Yeah, Jackson Dart, who, again, Carter just ran off some of his stats. He is extremely impressive. He's got great passing numbers. He has some high rushing numbers. He's a dual threat that Hugh Freeze would probably like to have and would really – work well in that system and then of course we've talked about the Georgia quarterbacks where they have five stars sitting on the bench that they're only one of them can win the job and uh, I think one of one if not more uh, will enter the transfer portal once the spring is over so Auburn is going to have their pick of the litter when it comes to some really talented quarterbacks in the SEC. That's just in the Southeastern Conference. There's other quarterbacks around the country that are going to enter the transfer portal. So the question now becomes, should Auburn go after a quarterback in the transfer portal? They absolutely have to. Let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Shane, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. How are y'all? Doing great, man. Shane, how are you? Hey, I'm great, guys. So... First, I think that uh, they did Dart wrong. Uh, I, if I were him, I, so he was—he was the starter. Um, it's different with Robbie Ashford because he wasn't the starter going in, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it, 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 how it all ended up 
it just it's a different situation. Dart was the was the starter throughout, throughout and to to go out and get another guy that will probably replace you. To me, like that was that they did a they did oh, yeah. a dirty. It's a, I don't think that he's sticking around regardless, and I'm sure they did it this way so he couldn't right now and try to convince them to stay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I agree with you. It's certainly the timing is fishy that it happened as the portal closed that they picked up Spencer Sanders. But I mean, you kind the writing was kind of on the on the wall with this. It's clear yeah. to me, Lane Kiffin, for whatever reason does not like Jackson Dart and feels that his offense is held back by him because these are, I mean, Walker Howard and Spencer Sanders are not the only two quarterbacks that Ole Miss recruited out of the transfer portal. Mike Wright, the Vanderbilt quarterback, is still in the portal. That's still somebody that at one point they were looking to add. I'm still not entirely sure that they don't add him still. You know, Auburn, I think we really wanted – the the East Carolina guy, like McCall. I think that was our coastal? guy, the coastal, yeah, Grayson yeah, McCall. Coastal, coastal mm-hmm. I, I really thought that. Agreed. I really think that that was like, yeah. And is there a scenario? I, I don't know that that dude can go ahead and get his credits and and then open it when it opens back up. He he he'd be able to transfer at that point. I think that theoretically, and I don't know how many hours um, Grayson McCall would have to get to be eligible to transfer to Auburn. But theoretically, he could crush it this spring semester, take an enormous academic load, uh, and then hit the portal when it opens in May. And at that point, he once he's in the portal, he can sit in the portal and finish out what he needs to do maybe in a summer mini-mester and then would be eligible. But he'd be... That's... Everything has to go 100% correct for that. Like, there is zero room for error, and you're going to have a guy who likely is going to have to take a stupid amount of hours and has no room for error at all the entire time. I, I think that, I, in my opinion, I think what Auburn is doing is, we, if it's not like a really splash quarterback that that we know is probably going to be the starter mm-hmm. I, it's it just kind of feels like we're just we're just looking for depth right now and then they're going to they're going to develop the crap out of uh, Ashford over the you know over the spring right. and summer um and he's had a lot of time I mean, yeah. I mean to develop before you know fall starts so um you know it's possible that he that he can come out He's a young guy. He's he's good. He, he, he I think from what I from what I heard, he, he's good at. Uh, he, he wants to be coached. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. So, so it's not a, it's not unreasonable to think that we're gonna. We, I, I'm pretty sure we're gonna get a quarterback. But unless it's like like Grayson, like that that thing just falls in our lap. It, it, yeah. It, I don't think we're gonna get like someone that's gonna replace. Astrid, there's there's um, there's probably a few names out there that if they hit the portal in May. Auburn is 100% hook, line, and sinker all in on. Other than that, you might get a high upside guy, a younger guy, or, I mean, if one of these Georgia guys hits the portal after losing the starting job there and you yeah, and they I, want and they heard, feel that they could still somehow win the Auburn job, that would be a potential option as well. I, I heard that uh, that they granted Sense Bennett a, 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 a 12th year and that he might be trapped <laughs> 
Honestly, yeah. yeah hey, you never know what Kirby might do over in Athens. You just Shane, never know. Shane, my my favorite stat that I happened to look up and find this year was they were twenty one. Or Stetson Bennett is as old or older than twenty one different quarterbacks that started a game in the NFL this season. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Hey guys, uh, love the show. I'll see y'all later. Yeah, appreciate Thanks, it, Shane. Shane. It's always good to hear from you, man. That is Shane joining us on the phone lines. We'd love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. I do have another thought on this. I do too. Back from, the, from, yeah. from the break. I do too. We'll address it as we wrap up hour number one on the other side here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Before the break, we had a great call from Shane uh, talking about the Auburn football quarterback situation in the transfer portal because the question that we continue to pose is, and we'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390, is given Auburn's quarterback situation, should they go to the transfer portal for one? And if they do, who? And that's, that one's kind of a tough question because you don't know who all is going to be in the portal after the spring. But with the uh, Spencer Sanders news today of him committing to Ole Miss, the Oklahoma State quarterback, it brings up a question of who will Auburn go after if they do. And wanted to address sort of what Shane said a little bit because I don't want it to be misconstrued that because we both agree, Carter, that Auburn should go after a guy, a quarterback in the portal when it opens back up in the spring after spring ball. But I don't want it to be misconstrued that I don't believe Robbie Ashford could be the starter. Because I do think he can be. I really I, do. I think Robbie Ashford is very capable of taking this 2023 Auburn team to 8-4, and four, maybe 9-3. and three. But I think that there, I think there's an unbelievably high ceiling with Robbie Ashford. I think he has every single tool you could possibly want. We know he was banged up this past year. Um, and what I love about this schedule is you get a nice three-week ease into the season, new system, transfer portal players, get a feel before you take, an, take on an A&M team that's going to be going through a transition of its own. And who knows? what they look like after their road trip to Miami two weeks prior. Right. If they already have a loss, then maybe they're they're a little bit shaken yeah. there early. There's no um, doubt the schedule the schedule plays out for Auburn is, to have a good year. This regardless. is the easiest schedule Auburn has had in 15, 20 years. Yeah. It feels like feels I mean, like it. Because consistently in the last decade, Auburn has had the hardest schedule in the country. Consistent because mm-hmm. you play Clemson a bunch. You play Oregon you play Washington. Like you go out of your way to play extreme Penn State twice. You go out of your way to play really, really high level hard competition. You saying Cal's not a good team? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. That is the no longer Under Armour Cal, by the way. I don't uh, know if you saw yeah, that. I did they, see they that. They have transitioned to Nike. Uh, but look, I mean, these next couple years, things do open up a little bit. I mean, actually, when you look at 2024 could be a de- uh, decently tough schedule depending on how they set up because your, your your West teams are Florida and Georgia, depending on where Florida is at that point. Florida, Your East teams, yeah. Florida could be on the brink of falling apart. But, they could be. But yeah. Rob- Robbie Ashford is very capable of being an extremely good quarterback in the Hugh Free system. I think the ceiling is extremely high. Um, I will say 
Uh, we talked about it earlier in the week, the expectations put on him <laughs> by Mike G at the War R- Rapport. He has since clarified it makes a lot more sense now. Um, I don't think his wording was great in the initial video it and post. It was not, but he did clarify. First, it was first team all SEC. Sitting, it was, in, it was sitting in New York. New York. Or at a minimum, first team All SEC. He's since relaxed it. He's saying he, he believes he has the ability to be an All SEC caliber guy. He said top three quarterback in the conference. I agree with that. I agree with that. I don't think that it's necessarily fair to expect that in twenty three, uh, because we ran through it the other day. You mean you've got KJ Jefferson back, Jaden Daniels back, Spencer Rattler. Uh, you've got a lot of experienced De- guys. Devin Leary coming in, Graham Mertz coming in. I think Robbie Ashford's better than Graham Mertz. Yeah, Spencer Sanders coming in now. Spencer Sanders and Jackson Dart, a couple guys who are a lot more experienced than we've seen Robbie Ashford at this point. I think I think Robbie Ashford can have a better season than Spencer Sanders and Jackson Dart. It's probably a little much to ask him to outdo um, Jaden Daniels. And Spencer Rattler, just because I feel like Spencer Rattler is going to be more consistent in in this next season, uh, based on what we saw down the stretch, he's got to be playing with confidence going into twenty three. You would imagine, um, but Robbie Ashford can win games, but you cannot. And I and I come back to this: you cannot go into twenty twenty three with three scholarship quarterbacks. I agree. The, the and depth, he, and that's something Shane brought up too, was the depth part of it. You have to. Injuries happen, man. Injuries happen, and whether it's Robbie Ashford as the starter, whether it's a transfer guy as the starter, whether it's Holden Garner as the starter, I don't care who it is. What is the what is the percent chance that TJ Finley's on the roster when fall camp starts? I mean, I think you put it on 5% yesterday, and that's I pretty... Think I, I think it's between 5 and 10. Yeah, I think that's I'd, I'd go there. Yeah, I'd go there. I just, he, he will not be on this roster, and if he is, he will not be anywhere near a starting job. I promise you that. Some of the antics, disconnecting from the team, not going in the game when asked, when Robbie was banged up to preserve a red shirt, I think it has turned off a lot of people in that locker room. I feel like it'd be hard for him to get that buy-in from his teammates again. Look, Robbie Ashton could be the starter, but there's nothing going to be – nothing's going to hurt him by bringing in somebody else to compete. Our number one in the books. We'll talk more Auburn football and just regular SEC football as well in hour number two. The following is an Auburn Network production. On the line, live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Thursday, January 19th, 2023. Crazy that it's already January 19th, man. Time flies by when you're having fun. I think that's what they say. It's a beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hope you're all doing well. Sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. Hour number one, officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two is officially underway on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back jacob goins carter bird with you on espn 1067 hey if you missed any of our number one 
be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it at ESPNAU.com. That's our station website. Click on the podcast center. You'll find it commercial free right there, or you can find it wherever you get your podcast. Just search on the line. You can find it commercial free right after the show today. Uh, talk to Auburn basketball as they won on the road last night at LSU. Also talk some college football news uh, as Spencer Sanders, the Oklahoma State transfer quarterback, committed to Ole Miss today. We sort of talked about what that means for Auburn's quarterback situation, and I assume we're going to talk about it some more here coming up in just a few minutes. But here on hour number two, uh, we're going to start by getting to the phone lines. We have Terry waiting. We're going to get to him in just a second. We also have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC Uh podcast. We'll talk to him coming up at 3.30 like we do every Thursday. So looking forward to what he has to say about everything going on around the the Southeastern Conference. So that's what's coming up here in hour number two. Let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, Jacob. Hey, Carter. How y'all doing today? We are doing fantastic, Terry. Terry. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Jacob, you said it's January the 19th. Almost, we're looking at February. You're still running a promo in your voice about about mid-December on the station, by the way. So I just wanted to wonder if you knew that. I'm sure you're aware right. of that. Yeah. Uh, is it is, is it the um, – oh, ESPN I know. Promo yeah, about live I, ES programming. Yeah, yeah, I know what it is. Um, guys, I, you know, I would be tickled to death to have Jackson dart at Auburn for one year. Now, he hasn't entered the portal yet. I don't know. But is is the relationship between Jackson dart and Kiffin not been good? I don't think – it like, doesn't I, seem I, like I it is. The actions of Kiffin would point to it's not great because mm. – because also, and I've I've joked about this before, when Matt Corral and John Rice Plumley were there, they were all over Kiffin's social media. Kiffin posted a picture almost every daggum day with John Rice Plumley. He took John Rice Plumley and Matt Corral to hot yoga in uh, in the square there in Oxford. You haven't seen any of that with Jackson Dart, so I wonder if they just don't get along and. The fact that he has gone out and recruited three transfer quarterbacks, and heck, I mean, at this point, I wouldn't wouldn't shock me to see him get involved with Jaden Rashada, the Florida uh, quarterback that has now applied for release from his letter of intent. I mean, the fact that he's going after quarterbacks this mm. heavily seems to me that something's there's a disconnect there. Not everything is is all right there in Oxford between Jackson Dart. And Lane Kiffin, and that is very, very odd. Uh, that's maybe the oddest quarterback coach relationship I've ever heard of. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's, it's interesting because at one point in time, Ole Miss would have landed all three of these transfer quarterbacks if they could. I guess mm-hmm. Mike Wright's still out there, and theoretically, they could land him still. I doubt he comes now, especially after Spencer Sanders has has committed. But if they could have gotten all three, I remember hearing that they would have taken all three, which is very interesting. With a quarterback who threw for almost three, for essentially three thousand yards this past year and twenty touchdowns, it almost sounds like if if Jackson Dart doesn't come out of the spring, the starter after he played the whole year as a starter, correct? He would mm-hmm. enter the portal, but if the relationship's not that good, and with Spencer Sanders now coming there, oh Agreed. no doubt. I mean, it, like I said in the first hour, you don't go get a guy like Spencer Sanders and and. It not expect him to be the starter, right? I mean, that's why you go get somebody like that is to be your starter. Um, if he were to lose the battle, that's one thing, but that's probably the expectation is for Spencer Sanders to be the starter in Oxford. And yeah, I would I would assume Jackson Dart would hit the portal given everything we just talked about. Well, the other the other side of that, Jacob, Spencer Sanders isn't going to go somewhere 
can you start it for four years and go somewhere else and not be the starter? Correct. That's absolutely right. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. I've got this on the basketball game last night. Has LSU just quit? Because uh, a friend of mine that watched the game said, like, our team just has a very terrible relationship with our coach. And said he thinks he's lost the team. I mean, I think it's probably a little early for that, considering it's year one of his tenure at LSU. I mean, he's got, well, I mean, I tell you what, his two Murray State transfers carried a lot of the load last night. They combined for Mm. 32 points. I mean, he's the Murray State coach that came in year one, brought in his Murray State guys. They've been playing extremely well. Um, I think it's it's important to note what he stepped into. Think about what the LSU basketball program has gone through the last three years and what they're still going through. Yeah, and what they're still going through. Like, this is a tough, tough job to have right now. Will Wade gets fired for, what, five level one infractions or whatever it was, which is unprecedented in... Which took way too long, by the way. In collegiate athletics. that, That has not happened. I don't think we've ever seen anybody approach that. I think maybe three was the highest before that. Well, he gets fired. Every player on the roster either goes to the NBA or enters the transfer portal. They brought back one guy, I believe, from last year's roster. They lost all of their commits, I think, in the twenty-three and the twenty-two and twenty-three classes. I mean, it's it was as bad as it got. I mean, Yoan Traor was an LSU commit. And so that started got to was kind of smoke and mirrors, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean it's it's. If you go look at the schedule, the schedule is not very good for for LSU in non-conference play, and I think it overinflated them. And we also saw them upset Arkansas to start conference play, hang with Kentucky when we thought both of those teams were really good. Arkansas sitting there one and five in conference play, and Kentucky, despite the win in the midweek game, they just don't. Despite winning their last two, they just don't look. Like a typical Kentucky team, they're three and three in conference play. Very good point, guys. What was the name of the kid from Mountain Brook that went to LSU, the basketball player, a few years ago? Trendon Watford. Mm-hmm. Okay, is he, in, is he in the NBA? Yes, I think he's on the Trailblazers. I think he got drafted okay. there. I think he's a decent player for them. I want to say. Wow, that's surprising when you leave Alabama to go to LSU, but uh, you know, it is what it is. I yeah, guess it, it happens. The, the, you know, the two programs are, are, are having success here. Auburn's had success, and Alabama's on their way to. Big six. I talked to you guys about that yesterday about peaking too early. I, I just got a feeling Alabama's peaking a little early, and and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, look, look, they may surprise me. I don't know, but yeah, uh, I, you know, we'll see. Look, I, I think know, but I, but, I think they're really good, and will they? Are they going to be beating people by forty points in the next month or two? Probably not, but. I still think they're just they're just really really good. I am waiting to see what happens when this Alabama team has an off shooting night and when they go up against a team that has the same amount of offensive firepower that they do. Um, I don't think that team exists in the SEC. That's going to be something you have to see in March in the Big Dance. But there's some teams out there that can run with Alabama points wise, and all it takes, Terry, you know this in March, all it takes is one bad game and you're out. And, and there's a difference in playing when you got you know four or five days rest and then when you got 24 hours rest. Exactly. Because in the tournament, you're all playing on, what, Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday? Yeah, you play, yeah, you'll play either Thursday, like Saturday, it, or yeah. Friday, Sunday. Yeah. You'll travel, and then you'll probably play like that Thursday, I was think. It, was it this past year that they went Friday, Sunday, and Saturday, Monday? It, there, there's one of these past couple of years it's been really weird and I, did, I didn't like it as much that would be really weird yeah but I think Alabama's good um, and again are they peaking too early I don't think so I just think they're really solid man I really do well you didn't hear much about the Auburn's lack of guard playing in, in, at the, during the year last year but you sure heard in the tournament 
Yeah, exactly. And again, Gary, it, guys. It, yeah, we appreciate, appreciate the call, it, Terry. Terry. And, it, and again, it takes one game for for the offense to not play well, and it takes one team to match a team like Alabama, and you get knocked out of the tournament. That's how it works. That's why it's one of the hardest ones to win. Yeah, I mean, I, when you are a team that requires really high-level elite scoring, uh, when, you, when you have to go out and score 80, 90 points a night to win games, that tends to make you susceptible for somebody to jump up and get you in, in a tournament setting if you have a bad night. I mean, we've, we've seen some Auburn teams kind of get got in some games in the past that relied on a whole lot of shooting um, it's going to be interesting to watch this Alabama team. I, I Watching them against Vanderbilt, I didn't feel like I have in other moments. I know that there's other factors involved. I didn't feel that it was maybe my first time really, really sitting down and watching this team intently. And I sat there and watched it. I was like, I, I don't view this team as just unbeatable. I, just, I, thought, I thought Vanderbilt was that bad in the second half. I thought if you put a handful of other SEC teams out there in that second half, they make that game a heck of a lot tighter and put a heck of a lot more pressure on Alabama. I'm with you, but I think the games before that, they've shown where they are, they were somewhat unbeatable. I don't think they are unbeatable, but they've looked it, and again, that Vanderbilt game had a lot on the back end of it, right? There's a lot that played into that, and so I think I think Alabama and Alabama fans should just be thankful that that win was what it was you get a double digit win on the road in the SEC you take that every single day of the week and you look at what Alabama has coming up they play on the road at Missouri on Saturday I'm curious to see how they play there this was a Missouri team that was ranked they just beat Arkansas last night at home in a big game Missouri's Missouri's good they're not great but they're a good team but then after that you get Mississippi State at home. You go on the road at Oklahoma. Okay. You get Vanderbilt at home at LSU, home for Florida. That's the next five games for Alabama. They're going to roll. They're going to be playing really, really well before they come to Auburn, to Tennessee, home for Georgia. So this schedule's not horrible for Alabama. They are really, really good. But again, I want to see what happens when they don't score 80 to 100 points and what happens when a team can put up. 80 to 100 points my the best example I have is when they played Gonzaga I'll tell you what uh, they the, lost 100 to 90 against yeah. Gonzaga yeah, that's yeah. what I'm talking about yeah absolutely I mean I think that this this Alabama team I think it's probably to me because I think the guard play is a little bit better than last year's Auburn team I think that it's probably better primed to sustain this a little bit but they're still capable in my mind of getting got uh in tournament play, I mean, there's I agree. T- tournament play. There's a whole lot. It's a whole lot of matchup based games. I mean, you think back to Auburn's Final Four run. New Mexico State was a horrible matchup for Auburn, and Auburn snuck by in that game mm-hmm. and very easily could have lost against Kansas, who was ranked higher. I felt Auburn was an unbelievable matchup for that game, and yeah. Auburn drummed them. That's how the tournament works, man. That's how it works, and that's what makes college basketball so much fun. To bring it back to the Auburn perspective, they go on the road last night. They get a very convincing win on the road at LSU. Uh, can't really ask for a whole lot more than this. I just talked about getting double-digit wins on the road in the SEC. This is Pretty pretty darn good, if you ask me. You beat LSU 67-49. to And again, offensively, Auburn didn't do anything crazy. They didn't score 90 points, 
but they didn't have to because they mm-hmm. held LSU to 49 points in their own building. That is high-level basketball. That is what will get you far in the tournament. The problem is, is still the offensive struggles at times are still there. And when you, if we're talking about March, right, if you get caught with a team that just cannot miss, Auburn has some of the best three-point defense in the entire country. They showed that stat last night, and I knew going into it it was high. They're like top three in the country on defensive three-point percentage. They do not let people shoot often, and when they do, they don't make them. All it takes is one in Right March. now, yes, they are third, and they are allowing 25.1% of three-pointers to be hit by the opposing team. That's so good. LSU was a decent three-point shooting team last night, a lot better than the past couple we have seen out of uh, out of Auburn's last couple opponents with Mississippi State, with, with uh, Arkansas, and they were hitting 35 36%, and Auburn held them to 4 of 20 from 3. And Auburn's three-point defense right now is really, really, really good. And if you think about it, what happens in the tournament when a team upset somebody right or if they get down by double digits they start knocking down threes and they work their way back into the ball game and momentum starts to build you hit another big three the crowd gets into it Auburn doesn't allow people to shoot threes very often and again when they do they're only making one out of every four so that is something that Auburn can hang their hat on now the reverse of that is they're giving up tons of points in the paint pretty much all the points are inside the paint and from the free throw line obviously it makes sense if they're not making them from the three-point line they got to make them from somewhere else Auburn's giving up a lot of points inside but they're daring people to go in there and play one-on-one basketball and they're not letting people shoot consistently from the three that is something that can be positively said looking ahead to March I know it's still January but we kind of got on the the March Madness roll by, a little bit. By holding LSU to 4 of 20 from 3 last night, Auburn dropped their three-point percentage from for the season from, I believe, I just had it pulled up, they were 36.9. Or no, 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 hang on, I have that wrong. I'll, I'll have to, to, to get it fixed <laughs> for you. I... I, I did some incorrect math. Here, well, you're while you while you add it all up again, we know that Auburn they, defensively they, they dropped them like point eight percent, which is of, a, of, a, a big drop. The season that is a significant drop from in, one game. Yes, yeah. exactly, and that's that's Auburn's Auburn's been able to do that to a few teams here yeah. in the last little stretch. Now, you do have to note that the SEC is not. Super strong offensively outside of Alabama. Um, you look around Tennessee the league. At times. Tennessee at times, but other than that, I mean, Arkansas at times, but they haven't been when they lost their scores. I mean, the SEC scoring-wise right now is not super high, which plays into Auburn's game 100%. We talked about in the first hour and yesterday. A 67-49 to game, that's what Auburn wants to do every single time out. It may not be as exciting as the Final Four run was when Auburn was just knocking down three after three after three and scoring 90 points a game, but this team can't do that, and they're not going to do that. This is the type of game they want to play. Your only loss in conference play right now is, uh, is at Georgia when Georgia was red hot from three. They were 6 of 15. They were 40% from, from three in that game. Uh, the Ole Miss game? That's the only other game that you've seen somebody really crack 20% in conference play. They were 9 of 25 for 36%. So when Auburn keeps a team um, below their average shooting threes, Auburn has won, I think, basically every single game. Yeah, and again, threes just – 
this is obvious, but they add up so fast. And they add up on the scoreboard. They add up in momentum. They add up in confidence. When a, when a hot shooter sees that three go in, the chances of his next bucket going in go up. Like the percentages go up because he built confidence and that gives a team confidence. And on the road in the SEC, when that home team hits a three, the crowd goes nuts, right? They get back into the ball game. All it takes is one or two three-pointers for a team who's out of the game to be right back in the game, whether it's on the scoreboard, in momentum, confidence, whatever it may be. Three-pointers are a big part of college basketball and Auburn is extremely good at defending them, which will take them far in SEC play and in March, I have a feeling. Yeah, I mean, you you look at, I mean, even looking at the other losses, your other two losses, um, USC was right around their average, a little bit below, but Memphis was six percent above their three point average, and so in two of your three losses, you've had a team uh, just go way above what they normally shoot from three, and it uh, has let like. Georgia is a 34% three-point shooting team, 40% against Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, that Memphis team, 30.5%, 31% from three, 36.7% at all against Auburn. Like they're The teams that can outproduce their three-point shooting, which is not very many, have had a chance to beat Auburn. Auburn goes on the road last night. They beat LSU 67-49. to What are your thoughts? We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll talk about the biggest results in college basketball last night when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here inside the Thursday edition of On the Line. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. What was the biggest result in college basketball last night? Because there were some really good games, some really big games, a couple of ranked matchups, a couple of upsets, a couple of nasty games in the SEC. But in your mind, what was the biggest result last night? And it can be Auburn. I mean, from a from the SEC perspective, I I tell you what, Auburn going on the road and just handling, just absolutely handling LSU, might be the most impressive thing that happened yesterday. I know Texas A and M's five and zero in conference play, Ooh. but that game was miserable. They've played four of the five worst teams in the SEC. Have you looked who they've beaten? Yeah, they've beaten nobody, and and you can you can try. You can try, and I had an A&M buddy of mine very much try to tout this. Um, he said, well, we have a ranked win against number 20 Missouri. Go look at oh, Missouri gosh. in the Ken Palm and the net rankings. They're not a top 50 team. But they, they get, they, they they get a ranked now, win last they night. They might be now in the net, net rankings after beating Arkansas. But they were not. They were 56 in the Ken Palm and 51 in the net rankings. Like that's not that good of a team. No, it's not. I, I, my opinion, the biggest result last night was Seton Hall taking down UConn, 67-66. UConn, if you remember, they were a top four team in the entire country about a week and a half ago, and they've dropped like an absolute rock. They are number 15 right now. But you look at their last f- uh, couple of games, they've lost. Let's see, they've lost five of their last six. In the Big East. Their only win was Creighton, which is impressive. But they've lost to Xavier, Providence, Marquette, St. John's, and Seton Hall. UConn, 
They are just spiraling out of control. Nobody's able to figure out what's going on. That was a big result, in my opinion, last night. West Virginia, we talked about it during the break. West Virginia gets their first conference win in Big 12 play over a ranked TCU team. Of course, West Virginia on the schedule coming up in about a week and a half for Auburn as they go to Morgantown. I don't. Uh, looking at it now, I don't think A&M's 5-0 and in conference plays as bad as you think. It ain't. I don't think it's good. They have two wins over Florida, who's three and three in conference play. So outside of A and M, they're three and one. You have uh, a win over Missouri. They who's played now Florida f- twice. Mm-hmm. Well, and A and M or uh, Arkansas has now played Missouri twice because they because wow. that was that was my joke. Uh, after Auburn beat Arkansas, and Arkansas Twitter ran with. Auburn just won their Super Bowl. Congrats to Auburn for winning their Super Bowl and post. But yeah, they rushed like the floor. Hog right? Sports whatever on twitter had a whole graphic about it um after missouri came back and beat them i just gave that a nice quote tweet and i said should we revisit this because Mm -hmm. it's not unique it's not special when literally everyone you've played in sec play has one they have every team that arkansas has played in conference play right now has beaten them because they've played Missouri twice. They beat them once, and they lost to them once. That's crazy. It, it really is. Arkansas is just not what they were supposed to be. The injuries have definitely hurt them, but they're still a talented team, and they have just not figured it out in SEC play. You talked about that Texas A&M-Florida game. In case nobody listening saw how this game started, Florida had probably the worst shooting performance to start a basketball game I have ever ever seen in my entire life it was really 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 bad they started this basketball game two for 26 from the floor two of 26 now think about that that is horrible but yet they were able to hang around in the basketball game and a&m wins at the buzzer 54 52 11 minutes and 40 seconds into the game a&m hits a jump shot to take a 12-6 to six lead. God, 11 so minutes bad. and 40 seconds into the game. It's so bad. Then A&M decides, they get to 15-7, to seven, then just decide, you know what? We could put this game away, but we're going to slowly let this, this A&M team back in it. And that's exactly what they did, or this Florida team back in it. Um, you had the and, whopping halftime score of 23-12. to 12. Yeah, which is so bad. So, that like, it was the worst half of basketball I've seen out of an SEC in a long time by Florida. Like, they were getting looks like right at the rim and were missing them. Colin Castleton was like airballing jump hooks in the lane. But it yet, bad. it comes down to the wire. It came down to a Florida possession because, and a turnover, and AM wins. Because AM's not that special. AM is not that special. That game right there confirms it because. Everything that could possibly go wrong in the first half for Florida went wrong, and AM had to cling, cling to a victory. And an ugly one at that. The SEC, we've talked about the, it, man. I, it's I, just I, I tell you what, the Arkansas Missouri first half wasn't much better for a while there. No, it wasn't. It wasn't good either. Hey, it how about was, it was twelve to eight, ten minutes and thirty five seconds into the first half. Gosh, dude. That's what I'm saying. The the offenses in the SEC right now are not good. They're not now, good. From that point on, they like got on a pretty ferocious pace and finished with a 79-76 game. So like Which they is picked solid. it up. Yeah. But it was twelve to eight more than ten minutes into the game. It was twelve to six, 
11 and a half minutes into the other game. Yeah, I know you're a Big Ten guy. Did you see Nebraska beat Ohio State last night? And Ohio yep. State, who was a top 25 team to start the year. And they were getting help. When they beat Northwestern, the narrative became, hey, this is the first game we've seen them back healthy. This is a dangerous team. This is a team that could potentially win the Big Ten, and they've fallen apart. They're 10-8, and 2-5 and five in Big Ten play mm-hmm. are the Buckeyes. I just, I hate to see that, man. Hate that to see. Feel it. very genuine by you. No, you shouldn't. We got 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. We'll have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. We're welcoming in our usual Thursday guest. It is Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Again, he joins us every Thursday here on the show. Chris, happy Thursday. Hope all is well with you. We will jump uh, right into it with some SEC West football news as Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State, the uh, very talented quarterback, announced his commitment to Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss today. What do you think about that? Yeah, it was um, – I had heard for a couple of days that this was probably coming, and I, I questioned if it was still going to happen when we saw a few days ago that Walker Howard had, from, uh, from LSU had transferred into Ole Miss. Because I, I know this from Walker Howard's side. Walker Howard was a big five-star recruit. You know, his, his, he's a legacy to LSU. His dad, Jamie Howard, played at LSU back in the day. And he's Louisiana through and through and wanted to play at LSU. And ultimately, you know, when Jaden Daniels transferred in from Arizona State last year, the thought was, well, he's, he was going to come in for one year and then go pro. Well, Jaden Daniels had a very good year at LSU, but it wasn't enough to kind of catapult him as a high draft pick. And so... Jaden Daniels kind of looked at the whole situation, decided I'm going to come back to LSU for, for one more year, try to run it back. They won the, you know, LSU won the SEC West and you're one of Brian Kelly, and maybe they take a step forward. Their backup quarterback, Garrett Nussmeyer, he's been there a couple years, and he's played a little bit. We saw him in the SEC championship game, and, and of mm-hmm. course he's coming back. Well, I think Walker Howard looked around and said, I don't want to be third string here anymore. I want to go somewhere where I can compete. And, you know, as far as we know, Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin talked with him and said, hey, we want to have you uh, come to Ole Miss and we'll give you a chance to compete for the job right away with Jackson Dart. And that's where he went a couple days ago. We kind of said, all right, well, that makes sense. He's going to Ole Miss. He might be able to beat out Jackson Dart for the job. When the Spencer Sanders stuff started coming out, I started going, well, wait a minute now. Walker (laughs) Howard just left LSU because he was third string. I know Walker Howard didn't go to Ole Miss to go be third string. So it's something, something very fishy here. I don't know if... Lane Kiffin, that coaching staff, looked at the year that they had and said, man, it was a phenomenal year. We started off 11-1, and and then we t- started to crater towards the back end. Didn't like what we saw out of Jackson Dart's decision-making. Maybe, maybe we're going to move on from him after one year. Maybe that's the conversation that was had. Now, with the new transfer rules, I don't know. You know, he played his freshman year at USC. He just played his sophomore year at Ole Miss. Uh, he's not a grad transfer yet, so I don't know if he's going to be able to transfer a third time to another school and play immediately. I don't know if he gets a pass because his coaching staff at USC got fired. I don't know what the NCAA rules are there, but 
I do know it seems like Jackson Dart is the odd man out because Spencer Sanders was just a four-year starter at Oklahoma State, Mm -hmm. a very productive quarterback. He's coming to Oxford to start. He ain't coming to sit. Um, And so I wonder if those conversations were had with Walker Howard where, hey, you're going to be the backup to Spencer Sanders, and we're going to turn over this entire quarterback room. That's what I would guess. If I had to guess, I, I, I find it very – it'll be very unusual if Jackson Dart stays there, picks this thing out, and isn't starting at Ole Miss. It's, that's going to be a very, very interesting quarterback race to watch uh, through the spring. And as you know, the portal is closed now and won't reopen until after spring. So they got all three of these guys. They're going to be able to go through spring ball with them. But, man, that feels like an awkward, awkward quarterback room now. Yeah, I mean, Chris, is this the most uh... – awkward situation out there right now that the transfer portal has created because I mean statistically speaking we we looked at it you can make an argument that statistically this past year Jackson Dart may have been better than Spencer Sanders and uh, do you find the timing a little bit odd because the the Spencer Sanders news comes right as the portal is is closing yeah and 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 I I heard there were some schools on his radar. I, I know, you know, Auburn had even flirted mm-hmm. with him a little bit. Um, you know, I, I still think I, – I, I cannot believe, guys, that Auburn has not gotten a quarterback through the portal. I, I had that as a lock a few months ago. I don't understand why they still haven't. Um, you know, I haven't heard anything on T.J. Finley. I don't know where he's at. I know he's about, what, ready to graduate by now but um, <laughs> with his degree, but – you know, I, I, look, I liked Robbie Ashford last year. I'm excited to see what he could do in year one of the Hugh Freeze offense. But that said, I was excited about Miles Brennan coming back for his sixth year at LSU a year ago. Mm-hmm. And Brian Kelly didn't care. He said, I'm going to go bring in another guy. He brought in Jane Davis from Arizona State. He won the job. Yeah. So um, I'm a little surprised Auburn didn't, didn't um, you know, bring in another quarterback. But, yeah, to, to go back to Ole Miss, it's a very strange situation. But, I have to believe some. there were promises made behind closed doors by these coaches because, look, every kid wants to, you know, they're going to say publicly, oh, I want to compete. Yeah, hey, I just want a chance to try to earn the job. But secretly behind closed doors, we know there are some guarantees being made, especially when all these NIL deals are on the line. Absolutely, yeah. And I, as far as Auburn is concerned, it is interesting that T.J. Finley is still around, especially with the way that he seemingly disconnected from the program in the back half of the season, uh, missed some meetings, wasn't around as much. Uh, and then there was there's some rumblings about some players not being happy. There was a moment uh, where he was asked to go back into a game when Robbie Ashford was was banged up, and he said no to preserve his, his red shirt. I don't think that went over super well in the Auburn locker room. I have a hard time seeing... Uh, him climbing his way back into this Auburn quarterback race somehow. I don't expect him to be on the roster in the fall. I agree with you. I think Auburn has to add a quarterback. But as it stands right now, I mean, you have to feel that this is Robbie Ashford's show, right? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, Holden Garrett, we didn't get to see much of him, so I don't, you know, I don't know where he is right now in his development, but it, it, it is the Robbie Ashford show. And look, I, I think that's a good thing. Um, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna improve and, and take those steps forward. How much does he improve this year? Uh, we know the Hugh Freeze system is very friendly for the quarterbacks, and we've seen some great quarterbacks throughout the years uh, in his system. I mean, I absolutely loved watching Malik Willis in his years at Liberty. So um, we'll see if Ashford can take that step. But yeah, man, you're, you're doing. You're not doing him uh, right by not bringing somebody else in to push him because right now, what Robbie Ashford feels like is. 
even if he goes through and has a rough spring, well, what are you going to do about it? I'm the quarterback. You know, I'm not saying he's going to have that mentality, but sometimes you just have to push guys, and you got to bring in somebody else just just to to put that men- mental blockade in there to make them push themselves. Hey, man, I'm not doing something every day to make myself better and make sure I'm not losing the reins to this starting quarterback job. Um, you know, we're it's, we're seeing it all over the SEC. There there are a couple jobs where the incumbent is there, but they're being pushed. I just don't see that at Auburn right now. Speaking with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, he joins us every Thursday here on the show. Chris, that's more looking west towards Ole Miss and their weird quarterback situation where Auburn could possibly pick up a transfer portal quarterback. How about you look to the east over in Athens and see what they've got going on as well? Well, I think that, I think they're going to be just fine. It, it's so funny because you know I was just going through it yesterday, and we were, we were running through the list of all the SEC quarterbacks about who's coming back and who's leaving. And ironically, the two schools where we you know have a big question at quarterback, like we don't really know who it's going to be, is Georgia and Alabama, mm-hmm. the, the two teams that were presumed to be in the best shape, in the best spot, the two teams that are probably going to be picked to go back to Atlanta you know, next year and pick Georgia and Alabama to, to represent the East and the West, as, as they typically have. Um, yet those are the two teams with the biggest question marks, and yet I feel confident in Georgia getting this thing fixed moving forward, and I have some question marks about Alabama because Jalen Milrow, he looked very good coming in really for Bryce Young in, in that Arkansas game, but he looked sketchy in that A&M game, and, and mm-hmm. that's a game that they nearly lost. And, you know, we saw very little of Ty Simpson. I had somebody tell me yesterday, man, Ty Simpson looked like a stud in a spring game last year. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, well, let's give him, the, let's give him the, the Heisman Trophy right now, then, if he looked great in the spring game a year ago. Um, it, it's, I, I just have huge question marks with all the pieces Alabama is losing, and they don't know who their quarterback is. Uh, I think Georgia's in a much better spot just because I, I think they uh, they haven't said it, but I think this is Carson Beck's show. They're going to let Brock Vandergriff show what he can do, and he was a highly touted quarterback, so was Gunnar Stockton, but I think this is going to be Carson Beck's uh, show to run, and it's funny that a lot of the sports books have started putting out early, very early Heisman odds for next year, and a couple of them have Carson Beck, you know, kind of like the the eighth or ninth or tenth name on the list right there. A couple so, of them have Brock Vandergriff ahead of Beck right now. I saw that, but I think that's just more the sports books trying to <laughs> trying to bait people to get to get some money in on them. You know, take a take a flyer on them. I, I think it's going to be Carson Beck. I, I think George is going to be fine either way. Look, guys, they went and got Mississippi State's leading receiver and Missouri's leading receiver. They got Lad McConkey and Brock Bowers coming back. That's all you need. I know there's been a lot made of, oh, my God, A.D. Mitchell is in the portal and, uh, you know, all these different pieces. And it's like, yeah, A.D. Mitchell played in, like, four games this year. Like, it, all these receivers that Georgia's had the last couple of years, very talented guys like Harris Jackson and the, the list goes on and on. But it's guys who can't stay healthy. It's guys that, like, you know, they play, like, five games a year. And, yeah, they had finished with, like, four touchdowns. But Georgia went out and got – they upgraded big time. Rara Thomas and Dominic Lovett were outstanding in the SEC this year. They're going to be monster upgrades along with Ladd McConkey and Brock Bowers back. I think uh, I think there's a chance. As good as Stetson Bennett's numbers were, I think the, the, whoever the quarterback is, and if it's Carson Beck, I think the numbers are going to be even better next year. And I think Todd Munkin is, is salivating at the thought of airing this ball out even more next year. 
Transitioning to basketball, last night Auburn goes on the road to continue its winning streak, four-game winning streak, uh, getting an 18-point victory and holding LSU below 50 points. What did you see out of Auburn in that matchup, and what is what is this Auburn team turning into? Is this turning into a team that you think could potentially uh, compete at the very, very top of this conference and potentially finish second in the SEC? Yeah, they, they 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 needed that one last night. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what was interesting was when I was dissecting their schedule throughout the the year so far. I was like, wait, why why does Auburn struggle away from their home arena? <laughs> like, I kept looking at it, kind of going like, you know, like they they play so well at home, but when they go on the road, uh, you know, they lost the game to Georgia, they lost the game to USC, they lost the, the neutral court to uh, to Memphis. Um, you know, last night, it, LSU's a mess right now. Like, I, Matt McMahon, I think, is going to be a really good coach. He just doesn't have the horses. They don't have the right kids at guard right now. It's just they're, they're a cluster. And I know they cut it to make it, you know, they, they, they came back from way down to, to kind of, you know, make it reasonable. You're like, oh, are they going to go on the run here? And then Auburn did a good job of, of putting them away. But to me, Auburn's just got to find a way to, be, to get more consistency. Like, I just feel like, I, I feel like Wendell Green's the best player. But I feel like there's some nights where Jalen Williams is on his game and he looks really good, and I'm like, man, this is one of the better players in the SEC. I just think it's just it's finding consistency from those guys. Who's going to be, you know, game on the line? We need a big shot. Who's going to be that guy? Um, but man, they play so well at home. I just feel like take care of your business at home and find a way to keep winning some of these tough road games. And yeah, they're they're going to be just fine. And uh, yeah, I thought last night was a big a big one a big feather in the cap at getting a road win at, at LSU. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joins us every Thursday here on On the Line. What is the one word you would describe the SEC basketball season with so far and then with an explanation? Because it's been, it's just been all over the place. Yeah, I would say uh, the, the word I would describe is uh, Bama and everyone else. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of what it feels like. I mean, Bama is the elite of elite. They're, they're the best team out there, and you know, I thought Tennessee was in that category, and they went and laid the egg against Kentucky. It's looking like Kentucky's starting to figure things out. They were a cluster bleep uh, a couple weeks ago, and now it's looking like they're starting to get things figured out. So, um, you know, Kentucky may have a say in all this before it's all said and done. Auburn may have a say in this before it's all said and done, but it just does feel like this is – it's Alabama and everybody else. You know, the latest uh, bracketology had, had Bama as a, as a one seed. It was just so crazy to see, but um, – it will be, uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see who all the other teams punch their tickets. And, you know, I think Joe Lunardi had only five teams from the SEC making the tournament in his latest rankings. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. And I believe if Purdue loses tonight on the road at Minnesota, it would put Alabama as the one, maybe, or something like that. Alabama's a one seed and possibly the number one overall seed as of right now in bracketology. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Again, he joins us every Thursday at 3.30 here on the show. Man, we appreciate you, as always, joining us with such great insight. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and what they can expect coming up from Locked On SEC. Yeah, tomorrow, really, really good show coming for you at Locked On SEC. We have our recruiting recruiting experts, uh, John Garcia Jr. joined us, and we kind of got in-depth talking about all the recruiting classes from the SEC and the transfer portal, and we spent a good bit of time talking about Auburn, and uh, I was on Zach Blackerby's podcast today and uh, locked on Auburn, and you know, I, I explained why I've got Auburn at eight wins right now next year, so um yeah go check out wherever you can find uh, locked on sec really really good recruiting uh segment on Auburn coming on tomorrow's show 
man we appreciate it i know you do great work and we always appreciate you having you on we will talk to you next week all right That is Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. He does great work. Again, uh, he said his show tomorrow, Lot on Auburn, and he was on Locked On Auburn as well. So go check him out at Locked On SEC. That is Chris Gordy. Again, he he comes on every single Thursday. We'll get to our final break and wrap up the Thursday edition of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you on the Auburn Open Like a Sports Leader, ESPN 106.7. Big thank you to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. Uh, again, he joins us every Thursday, 3.30, uh, talking all things SEC we uh had a good conversation about what's happening in Oxford which he is just as confused as we are about the whole quarterback situation with Lane Kiffin uh, and how that impacts Auburn and where they could be looking to go in the transfer portal it's so weird it's just it's the most awkward situation out well actually that's not even true because you've got what's going on at Florida right now very true but I I wanted to ask him about that what what kind of a black eye is it on Florida with the Jaden Rashada mess and then half of the uh, uh, the fact that the NIO collective looks bad, the fact that half the quarterback room that was supposed to be there is no longer there for wildly mm. different reasons. I and feel bad for Billy Napier, man, because I, I think he's a great coach. He's just he's getting dealt got, a bad hand right now in Florida. You've got a really bad, a really bad um, quarterback to play in the bowl game who does not look good, and you have Graham Mertz who's not good. Who is Graham Mertz? <laughs> like, like that situation is as bad of a quarterback situation as there might be in the country. Right. And I asked him about the Georgia situation, not because it's bad. They have unbelievable talent that they are yeah, getting to just 14 stars. Yeah. They just get to pick whoever they want. And then now the question then will become what happens to the other guys. But again, great conversation with Chris Gordy. And if you missed any of that or any of today's show, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it commercial-free at ESPNAU.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search on the line. But uh, as we kind of wrap up today's show, uh, reminder that Carter and Jack will be doing the drive coming well, up from 4 to 6. We see if Jack is here at 4. No, nah, he just pulled up. You're good. Good. Yeah, as good I look him. out the window, he just got here. So it will be Carter Bird and Jack Hutton for the drive from 4 to 6 he's here on ESPN. He's been texting me for the last 10 minutes about how he wasn't going to be here on time. Uh, he's fine. He's early. He's He is just fine. So it'll be Carter Bird and Jack Hutton for the drive on ESPN 106.7 from 4 to 6. I will be going over to at least Scott Academy. We have a couple basketball games tonight as they play Springwood. That'll be on AU100. That's 100.3 FM. We will go, or I will go on the air at 515. Girls game starts at 530 with the boys to follow right after. So be sure you tune in there on the Lee Scott Sports Network, AU100, AU100FM.com, and the AU100 app. But as we wrap up uh, today's show, again, it, it really is confusing what is happening in Oxford because if you're a Jackson Dart right you just put up some pretty solid numbers the season wasn't great for Ole Miss but you put up really good numbers you expect to be the man and all of a sudden Ole Miss and your head coach they go after two guys who expect to be the the man themselves and you're kind of just like WTF right you're just I mean at that point you're like yeah what what is happening and and maybe he Look, saw this down, coming down the stretch Dart was 
okay. Not I mean, he threw three picks against Texas Tech in the bowl game. Um, he was okay. He wasn't anything special. Tell you what, I don't think Spencer Sanders was much better down the stretch in 2022. So if this is a he's worried about Jackson Dart running out of gas and not finishing well, uh, well, both of your quarterbacks in their final game of the season in 2022 combined, three touchdown passes, seven interceptions. That's not great, right? That's not great, but... And they threw it combined 128 times. Holy smokes. That's a lot of throwing the football. That is a lot of throwing the football. I'm curious to see because I do think that Jackson Dart will end up transferring out of Ole Miss as he should. And I do think Auburn will at least look his way a little bit because he is talented. He is good. And I think Auburn will look his way. I don't, I'm not saying that he's going to come here. I don't know. Nobody knows that. But what will be interesting is how does he respond now that there are two guys in that room that have showed up to be the starter and he is possibly third on that list now. That is what's going to be interesting. I would imagine. I think he probably has a chance to beat out Walker Howard at least. I mean, I'm not going to sleep on him from being better than, than Spencer Sanders. I think Spencer Sanders is probably a pretty good fit for the Lane Kiffin offense and a pretty good fit for the Hugh Freeze offense as well. I think he's probably, in 2023, would have been an upgrade over Robbie Ashford. Um but I don't know. I just feel like that, that whole thing has the look of a mess. They've had, what, 25 players hit the portal. They just lost their linebackers coach to SMU. Like, vibes still, it makes no sense. It's, it's awkward. It's clunky. And you can't tell me, oh, the portal king's killing it when all he's portal done is add, is add quarterbacks. I and saw he hasn't, that today. He hasn't addressed the actual needs on the roster while – Meanwhile, the, half the defense is in the portal. Yeah. No, I agree. And here's all I'm going to say. Spencer Sanders does not go to Ole Miss to lose the quarterback job. There is no shot that Spencer Sanders is not starting QB1 in Oxford in 2023. I don't necessarily agree with that because look at what Lane Kiffin's doing to Jackson Dart. You don't think he would stab Spencer Sanders in the back? Spencer Sanders will be QB1 in Oxford this year. Maybe. That's my prediction. I, I think you're probably right, but it would, I don't think Lane is be, feels beholden to him. Maybe not. We're out of time. Come back tomorrow, 2 to 4, here on ESPN 106.7. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.